Father Donald Calloway is a convert to Catholicism and a member of the Congregation of Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Before his conversion, he was a high school dropout who had been kicked out of a foreign country, institutionalized twice, and thrown in jail multiple times. He has many academic degrees and is the author of 13 books. His forthcoming book, Consecration to St. Joseph, will be published on January 1st, 2020. It will be the most comprehensive program of consecration to St. Joseph in the 2,000-year history of the church. Please welcome Father Calloway. All right. Thanks, guys. Oh, man, I'm so happy when they see, when she reads that last little part, because I've spent the last two years of my life doing all this research on St. Joseph. I am so in love with that dude right now. I mean, do you know St. Joseph? Oh my goodness, you're gonna know him. You're gonna know him. Because we, we have deprived that dude for so long of his rightful place. And I, I tell you, I just, I'm, it's, it's his time. Now is his time. And so when that book comes out, ah, oh, it's gonna be phenomenal. It really is. Okay. I don't know about you, but I got a belly full of food. I was over there stuff on my face, and I looked down at my watch, I'm like, oh man, I gotta go t give a talk, you know? So let's say a prayer, okay? Uh, just a Hail Mary, uh, asking Our Lady to bless and to anoint this talk. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Joseph, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So, <clears throat> the title of this talk, I think, is um, Mary, the Masterpiece of God, or the Masterpiece of the Holy Trinity, which, however, it's written in the program there. And I love this talk, and I wish that I could say that I was the originator of the material. I'm basically just a spiritual plagiarist. I just get all this stuff from saints. People think I'm brilliant. They're like, Father Calloway, that's amazing. I'm like, yeah, it was so-and-so back in the 13th century who said it. Not me. I'm just retrieving from the tradition so many things that saints and blesseds and mystics and popes have talked about the amazing person of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I want to start this talk by telling you about one who's soon to be blessed, finally, Fulton Sheen, right? This guy, it's about time, you know, the, the church and all these quibble, where's, where's his body? I'm like, get over it. You know, I'm like, it's ridiculous how the church argues about these kind of things. Just get on with it. This dude was so holy. He had an amazing way of talking about Mary in her superlative qualities, how she's the most blessed of this and how God so loves her. And he wrote that in a book uh, called The World's First Love. If you wanna read probably one of the top three books on the Blessed Virgin Mary ever written, get that book. It's called The World's First Love by Fulton Sheen. I don't know, maybe it was written 60 years ago, something like that. I'm not exactly sure, but it's like it was written yesterday. It's brilliant. It's timeless. It's a classic. And when that dude gets beatified, they're going to be flying off the shelves. Uh, most of all of his stuff will be once he's beatified. In that book, he talks about how God is so in love 
with the Blessed Virgin Mary that he created a masterpiece in creating her. So what I'm going to do, because he, he took it so far, but I'm going I'm to use his kind of foundation, and I'm going to take it a little bit further. I don't think that he'll mind. Hopefully, uh, you know, he'll, he'll put his blessing on, on, on this. Because if you use your mind to think about it this way, it just makes sense. Okay, let's do this. I want you, right now, to imagine that you are God. Wow, congratulations. You just got deified, okay? You have all power, all knowledge. You can do anything. And what you did, because we're going to go with the playbook of what we know happened, you created a universe and you created a, a, a planet and you created people in your image and likeness and it's amazing. Oh, it's incredible. You're so amazing because you're God. And you made them in your likeness, in your image, and you're a Trinitarian God, okay? So you made this amazing, amazing creation. And then, because you gave them free will, which is awesome, but they jacked it up. They messed it up. You know how the story goes. So what are you gonna do as God? Are you just gonna abandon ship? Oh man, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't see that happening. No, remember, you have all knowledge. When, when, when Adam and Eve fell, God didn't hold a Trinitarian committee meeting and say, oh boy, I don't know, what do we do now? He knew what was going to happen. He wasn't ignorant of what was gonna, how it was going to play out. He knew that. He had a greater plan in mind because creation is not about Adam and Eve. It's about a greater Adam and Eve that he would send. So you knew, you, remember, you're God. You knew what was going to happen. You're not going to abandon your creation because if you did that, you're actually not God. You can't be a good God and, and, and abandon your creation when, when, when they fall. Actually, here's what you're going to do. You are going to enter into your creation. You are going to take on the nature of your creation. You are going to enter into that world that's fallen and you're going to save it. And how are you going to do that? Shazam, magical poof out of the heavens? No, that would be magical. You're God, remember? You created an anthropological order. People don't just appear out of nowhere, already formed as a 33-year-old Messiah. Hooyah, Father God. No, it's not how it works. That's magic. You created an order. You abide by that order. You are going to send one of the persons of your blessed trinity to that fallen creation, take on their human nature, and save it. So, I want you to be first the son who's entered into the world, Okay. What does that mean? Logically, what would that mean? It would mean this, that you, God, are gonna create your own mom. You're gonna create your own mother. Never has it been heard that a son comes before a mother. That's not normally how it happens. But in this instance, because you're God, you're gonna fashion your own mother. You're gonna make your own mom. Now, I have a mom just like you do. My mom has her flaws. I have seen them. I'm aware of them. But if I were God, like I'll, I'll put myself in, in your shoes as well. If I were God, you know what I would do if I was going to create my mother? I'd make her flawless. I would make my mother perfect. She would be so flawless that I would make her, mm, let me think of a word, immaculate absolutely sinless, no stain, 
nothing in any evil way would touch her. Because I have an enemy, Satan. What I want my enemy to say, ah, I see what you're doing there, Jesus. You've created your own mother, but she's a sinner. So I got a little bit of a stranglehold on your mom. No, you don't. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make it so that my mom is sinless and her dainty little feminine foot is going to crush your ugly face. And I'm going to put it in a book, okay? I'm going to put, this is such a profound thing. I'm going to put it in a book. You think you're somebody? No, you ain't nobody. And this ain't no yin-yang religion. It ain't 50-50. Let's see who wins, God or the devil, and crush you like this. But I'm going to let my mom do it because you're so arrogant a creature in your disobedience and in your pride. I'm going to let my mom's foot crush your face. I'd put it in a book. Matter of fact, I would make a book. Let's call it the Bible. I don't know. And I would talk about this at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end about this woman. She'd be so special. She'd be so unique. And I would deprive my mother of nothing. I would give my mom every gift that a woman could have. She'd be a mother, but you know what kind of mother she would be? A virginal mother. How is that even possible? To us, it's not possible. I mean, that, 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 they don't go together, virgin and mother. That don't even make sense. To God, all things are possible. I would do this for my mom. I would, make, I would find a way. If, you're, if you have the divine mind, you can work through this. You can figure out a way to do this. If you're God and, 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 and you can make dew pass through a flower in the morning and not break the integrity of that flower, I think you can make a woman be a virgin and a mother at the same time. If you have the ability to allow light to pass through a window and not break the integrity of the glass, you can figure out a way in your divine mind to make your mother a virgin. It's not complicated for you. You're God. You can do anything. Well, that's what he did. That's what I would have done. I would have made my mother a virgin before my birth. That's like easy. During my birth and after my birth. Why? Because you're God. That womb is a temple. It's a sanctuary. Nobody else enters into that sacred space. That's what I would do. But I wouldn't stop there. I would make it so that my mom would be the mother of everybody. Think about that. If you're gonna create a masterpiece of maternity, are you gonna be stingy with that gift? Are you gonna create her so that she has the superlative of every virtue? The most humble, the most merciful, the most kind, the most tender, the most patient, and then you're gonna look at everybody else and say, she's all mine, suckers, no. You wouldn't be God if you did that. God's not stingy. I, if I were God, I would make this mother everybody's mother. I'd have to figure out a way to do it. Here's what I would do if I were God, I'm just saying, at like the most critical moment of human history, I would try and get everybody's attention. Like by being maybe elevated, heck, I'd even take my clothes off to get your attention. And you know what I would say? Behold, your mother. If that's ambiguous to you, you got problems, okay? I can't get any more clear than to tell you this at this critical moment when I've got everybody's attention that this is their mother. That's what I would do. I'm, I'm just saying, I, you know, well, that's what happened. He shares her with us. She's perfect, flawless in every way. She's the very model of femininity, such a gift. I would make it so that my mom's name was special. 
I would. I would make it so that my mom's name would be the most common female name in the history of the world. You know that's true, right? Every culture has a variation of Mary, Maria, Miriam, Marie, whatever. Name the culture, you got a version of it. And historically, it's been the most common female name. Really? That's what I would do for my mom. She would be absolutely incredible because that's my mom. I wouldn't give my mom, what kind of son if he had the power would allow his mother to have any kind of flaws? Wouldn't be a very good son. Well, that's not what Jesus did. He made her perfect. But remember, Mary is a Trinitarian masterpiece. She wasn't just made by her son, by Jesus. She was made by the Father and the Holy Spirit. So let's say, for the sake of the argument, that you're the Father. What would you be creating in the mystery of Mary? Your perfect little girl, your perfect daughter. She would be your little princess. But it wouldn't be good enough that she was your little princess. You would make her to be the queen of the cosmos, all angels and all men. It don't matter who they are or what office they hold. If you're the pope, bow down to the queen. If you're an angel, you bow down to this woman. And if you do not, you're in trouble. This woman is unique. This woman is special. She has the protective love of a father. You mess with that little girl, it's not going to go well for you. See, this is why probably God called me to be a priest instead of a biological father. Because if I had a little girl that started dating, I'd be, ch -ch -ch, you don't even look at my daughter, okay? <laughs> She's going to marry Jesus. That's, you ever see that, Sc that Scottish guy? It's hilarious. It's a video on YouTube. His little girl's like, Daddy, I want a boyfriend. And she, he's like, you're going to marry Jesus. You're going to marry Jesus. Right? He's so protective of her. That's how I would have been, you know? That's how protective God the Father was for his little girl. He cloaked her with everything. He covered her with everything. Protective love, secure on every level. And that little girl is his princess. And he makes her the queen of heaven and earth. That's, a, that's what I would do if I were God for my little girl. I would actually make it so that my little girl was the most painted woman in the history of the world. You know that's true, right? It ain't Mona Lisa. Really. The Madonna, Our Lady, is the most painted woman in the history of the world. Go to any museum in Europe, even if they're a pagan museum. If any artist wants to claim, make a name for himself in the artistic world, you have to at least attempt a Madonna and child. That's why today we get all these jacked up modern art museums where somebody throws a pencil on the floor and it's like, it's brilliant. Oh man, you high? Right? The, the epitome of beauty, the, 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 the masterpiece of beauty is in Our Lady, the Madonna. Everybody, even back in the day, if they were pagans, they at least attempted to draw a Madonna and child because that's God's masterpiece. Think about the Holy Spirit. You're now the Holy Spirit. What would you be creating in the mystery of Our Lady? The perfect bride. The perfect bride. Can you imagine? I mean, this is where I have a certain privilege because I'm a dude, okay? This is why women have a certain privilege in their relationship with Jesus because they're feminine. I don't curtsy to Jesus. If I curtsy, call my bishop. I got issues. I need to go to priest camp, okay? I don't curtsy. I'm a dude, okay? 
That's why women can talk about a mystical marriage with Jesus, like Catherine of Siena and so many others, where they get a ring, right? Because he's male and she's female. Works. I don't get that, okay? It, it doesn't, I don't get a ring from Jesus on my finger. That ain't normal, okay? But in my relationship with the Blessed Virgin Mary, I'm a dude. She's my lady. It's different when I say she's my lady than when a woman says it. Domina. It's the equivalent of, of, of Lord. It's chivalry to me when I say I'm a knight for my lady. That's what it means to me as a man. Think about the Holy Spirit creating his bride. Oh my gracious, what would he, what would he make? The most beautiful woman ever. Not just interiorly, yes, primarily interiorly, but even externally, even externally. A masterpiece, flawless on every level, absolutely incredible. You know what's weird about guys, and maybe I'm making a confession here, I don't know. When I grew up in the 80s, there was a movie out called Weird Science. Do you remember, anybody remember that movie? couple dudes trying to create the perfect woman. You know, they took a little piece from this magazine, a little piece from here. They hooked it up to some machine, zap, right? And she, you know, became this beautiful woman. Kinda. Nothing compared to what God did in creating the masterpiece of Mary. Do you know that St. Catherine of Siena, because of her, her holiness and her beauty, she would have to have sometimes seven priests follow her because people would pass out from seeing her. It got so bad, she, she like cut her hair. She did all this stuff to try and get people to stop looking at her. She was beautiful. That's nothing compared to the beauty of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We're talking about God's woman. God made his own woman. What? That is, that is amazing. Think about what's the greatest book in the scriptures. When all of time melts away, all the elements are gone, and there's just heaven and hell, and that's all that remains. What's the one book from the scriptures that will remain? The Song of Songs. God singing to his dove. Really? He had Our Lady in mind when he did that. And all of us in our souls, called to be like Our Lady, little immaculates in a sense. What Our Lady was given at the beginning of her existence, God wants to give to all of us at the end, freedom from sin. She's the pattern, the blueprint, the model of the whole thing. That's how God set it up. That's why saints and poets and mystics talk about a Marian imprint on everything outside of the Trinity. Everything. Trees, clouds, water. And actually, if you look at this stuff scientifically, most of these things have some form of a Marian name. Butterflies and beetles and everything. It's got a Marian imprint on it in relationship to the creator because she is the blueprint, the pattern, the model of all things outside of the Trinity. God created an absolute masterpiece in this woman. He knows it. The saints know it. That's why, by the way, the Catholic Church will never canonize or beatify anybody who's not conformed to the pattern. See, a lot of people think, oh, the Catholic Church is so mean and nasty. They don't acknowledge the good anthropological works of humanitarian works of others. No, we do. But that don't mean you're virtuous. That doesn't mean that you're giving your money to this cause makes you a saint. It doesn't. We'll support you in your cause to plant trees and whatnot. Great. But if you're not patterning your life off of the Blessed Virgin Mary, you're not doing Christianity right. She's the one bride of God. God's not a polygamist. One bridegroom, one bride. 
If you want to get the, the wedding garment to get into the eternal wedding feast, you got to be like her. You got to be free from sin. That's the only way you're getting in. She's so key to this whole thing. That's why if you don't understand Our Lady, you don't understand Christianity. You'll make it up what you think it should be. And you'll get your ecological Jesus or you'll get your whatever Jesus, but it ain't the real one. You've got to get the one that is Our Lady. Like you got a lot of people today saying, we are church. No, you're not. Unless you are conformed to the pattern of the bride. That's what it's all about. See, the saints know this. That's why from the very beginning, they talk about this. Like St. Augustine talks about how Mary is like a mold for Christians. Saints will come along after him and, 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 and take that a little further. Like St. Louis de Montfort says that the role of a Christian is to become supple, liquefied, and poured into the Mary mold. Mary's not a cookie cutter. She's a saint maker. You will never become holy unless you become like Our Lady. The only thing that God wants to hear come out of your mouth was already said, and it's one word, fiat. All He wants to hear you say is, me too. Be it done to me too. Nobody, no pope, no saint, no angel is ever going to outdo Our Lady, ever. She's the greatest, and she will always be the greatest. This is why we need her so much, and this is why. God knows this, the saints know it, but who else knows it? The devil. He ain't dumb. He's a fallen angel with an angelic intellect that's fallen for sure, but he ain't dumb. He's intelligent, but his knowledge is used in a tricky, manipulative, deceitful way, and he is well aware of the fact of that book and what's in it, and that his face gets crushed by a woman, and he hates it. He's disgusted by this woman, and he wants to destroy her, but he can't. He can't get at her. She's the unconquerable fighting machine. He can't destroy her. So what does he do? He goes after her other children, you and me. Read the book of Revelation chapter 12. As a woman about to give birth, that's to you and me, spiritually, Satan tries to devour them. A couple years ago, maybe, uh, maybe five or six years ago now, I wrote a book and I was struggling with the title. I was like, man, what do I call this thing? I, I got all this material in here. And I kept seeing in the lives of all these saints in their writings, they kept saying, live under the mantle, place yourself under the mantle, be under the mantle. So I'm like, that's it. That's the title of the book, under the mantle. And then it dawned upon me why that was so perfect. Do you know what Satan wants to do? And he's been trying to do it for 2000 years now. He wants to dismantle Christianity, which means take Mary out of the picture. Get that mantle out of the picture of Christianity because then you can get Christians doing their own version of Christianity. When somebody walks away from the Blessed Virgin Mary, they are eventually going to walk away from the fullness of knowledge of Jesus Christ. I guarantee this. I guarantee it. See, this is Satan's strategy. It's to take the queen off the board. Why did I say that? Chess. Chess. Do you know that chess comes out of a Catholic culture? It really does. And I love it because it's black and white. There's no gray. Oh, it's complicated, Father. No, it ain't complicated. It's because your mind's jacked up. It's black and white. Everything is black and white. Two plus two equals four. Not four and a half, not five. Four. 
But people today, you know, they're, they're all over the place with this stuff. But what I love about chess is it comes out of a Catholic culture and you had great saints who loved to play it. Did you know that St. Maximian Colby loved to play chess? Mm -hmm. St. John Paul II loved to play chess. St. Teresa of Avila, a doctor of the church, loved to play chess. Why? Because it's all about the king. All about the king. Anybody who tells you that chess is about anything, they don't know what they're talking about. It's all about the king. But who has the most mobility on the board? The queen. Everybody knows this. And what are the players? Interesting. Bishops, knights, rooks, pawns, vocations, so to speak. But did you know? that if just one bishop, just one, cooperates with the queen, you can conquer the enemy in four moves. Seriously, the new evangelization ain't rocket science. You don't need to go to stupid strategic planning meetings to figure out how to save souls. Unleash the queen. That's all you've got to do. And a bishop needs to be willing to die for her. If you're, you'll get your life back. See, that's the mystery. You'll come back on the board if you lay down your life, and you'll be stronger than you were before. That's how it works. It's an analogy for the spiritual life. See, God knows this, the saints knows it, and, and the, the devil knows it. That's why he doesn't want you to be devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary. He doesn't want you to have that pattern so that you can take out the Bible yourself. He actually, on some level, wants you to read the Bible. You know why? Because he's delighted when you interpret it on your own. That's dangerous. That's very dangerous, because then you can start saying things like, well, I don't see abortion in here, because technically it's not. You will not find the word abortion in there, so you will get even Christians today who say that this is okay. Are you nuts? Yes, they are. Or so many other ideas, crazy ideas. Without the Blessed Virgin Mary, you will lose Jesus Christ. Fulton Sheen, I hope I get this right, he says in one of his books that Our Lady is like the string. Jesus is like the kite. If you let go of the string, you lose Jesus, right? You absolutely, you have to have that connection. Without Our Lady, you'll lose it. And this, is, this has been played out time after time after time uh, in the last 2,000 years. Now, I know this myself because of my conversion and how our Lord brought me, you know, to Jesus and to the Catholic Church through the Blessed Virgin Mary, for which I'm eternally grateful, because I, I had all the misconceptions about Jesus, you know, the, and Christianity, Catholicism especially. It's an unscientific institution that oppresses women, and they're, they're medieval morons, haven't updated with the times. I was duped in my education. I was duped by the world because I wasn't taught about the very pattern, blueprint, and model of what it means to be a human person. That's the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's why today, it, it breaks my heart that you can go to colleges, sometimes even Catholic colleges, and they will have a women's studies department. Don't you think that if you went to like an engineering school that you should study the blueprints of how to build a bridge? You just going in there and trying to put a bridge together without studying the very, th how, it's, how it works? So why are they not studying the Blessed Virgin Mary, the pattern of femininity in women's studies programs? Because they're run by Satan. That's why. As you can tell, I'm not concerned about political correctness. Because I'm right. Because the truth is right. This is why we have such a jacked up culture right now. This is why we have so many people who are so confused about so many things. Because we've jettisoned the model, the blueprint. And when you do that, you have to replace it with a different model. 
And Satan is pleased with that. When you try and put somebody in the place of the Blessed Virgin Mary, he'll delight in that on some level. But we've got to bring her back. We have got to bring Our Lady back into the life of the church in a powerful way, into the life of families, into the life of priests. See, this, this is a great tragedy that can happen in the life of a priest. What happens when a priest stops praying to the Blessed Virgin Mary? Scandal. Scandal and sin. We're dudes. We get tempted. You know, we're, we're not robots. The bishop doesn't ordain us and boom, you have no feelings now. No. We're still dudes, right? With natural attractions and inclinations and so forth. Unless we have the beautiful woman in front of us, our lady, we're going to be in trouble. Big trouble. Because we're not even going to have the weapon that cuts off the seven deadly heads of the dragon, the rosary. We'll start saying crazy things like, oh no, Vatican II did away with that. We don't pray that anymore. Mm, that's the spirit of Satan speaking. That's not true at all. See, this is the foundation on so many levels of, of culture, of having this, the complementarity of the masculine and the feminine and the beauty of it and the fighting for it and protecting it and being willing to lay down your life for it. You know, Our Lady is so crucial to Christianity that we wouldn't have Christianity without her. I mean, think about this. Use your mind to think about this. Christianity is not some myth that popped out of the heavens that some Greek dude in, 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 you know, where am I thinking, Greece, thought of. No. It's not a philosophy. It's not an ideology. It's, it's, a, it's an incarnate religion because of Mary. God came into the world through her. If we don't have the Virgin Mary in her, yes, we don't have the incarnation, which means you don't have eternal life. Why? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have life. Those are not my words. Those are the words of Jesus. Where do we get the flesh and blood of Jesus? From Mary. Remember when, when Adam said about Eve, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh? That's now what Mary says about Jesus. She gave him his blood. She gave him his bones. She gave him his flesh. That's the hinge of our salvation. He's the Lamb of God that we've got to consume. And we wouldn't have him without Our Lady. We wouldn't have the scriptures without Our Lady because she's the mother of the word. We wouldn't have the sacraments without Our Lady, confession, priesthood, none of it, none of it. That's how important Our Lady is for Christianity. You wouldn't have new life in Christ without Our Lady. You know, when I travel around and I'm in airports and I got my collar on, it's always funny to see how that plays out, right? As I said earlier, some, at some point this weekend, a lot of people are happy to see me on a plane because they think it's not going to crash, right? But it's funny because sometimes at the airport, they'll get a little feisty. They'll think they're going to convert the priest that's going on their plane. And they'll say things to me like, are you saved? Really? I've had these conversations with people. And I'm like, yes, but it's still being worked out. I could jack this thing up tonight. I'm an idiot, right? I got free will still. It's no guaranteed deal. He has redeemed me, saved me if I cooperate with this, right? And they're like, oh, okay, well, are you born again? Are you born again? And I'm like, yes, by the way, you didn't create that. Catholics wrote the New Testament, homie. You can't tell us what our book is about, okay? <laughs> Really? I mean, how arrogant can you be? That's like me going up to Edgar Allan Poe and, and telling him what his poetry means. I uh, know, I think he's aware of what it means because he wrote it. 
Catholics wrote the New Testament. So in that New Testament, when Jesus is with his disciples and the little thing goes down, it's fascinating. Jesus is, is preaching and he says, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now there's one dude standing there who's like, hmm, that's a little difficult. And he steps up and he asks a really good question. How is it possible for a man to re-enter his mother's womb and be born again? I mean, that's a really good question. I would have been like, yeah, right? How is that even possible? What are you talking about? Be born again. So what does Jesus say to that? He says something very intriguing. He leaves out a few words because he's really hoping, he's really hoping that people have something up here and they're gonna use it and figure it out. So he, he leaves out a few key words, but he says, it's not a natural birth, it's a spiritual birth. What do all births require? A mom, hello, right? You need a mother to be born, even born again. So the question is, who is she? Who is this mother? What are you talking about, Jesus? All you gotta do is hang out long with him long enough and he'll tell you. Behold your mother. He's inviting us into his family. Abba is gonna be our Abba. Daddy, our Father, God. Jesus has come to reveal to us his Father and take us to his Father. And he's come to share with us the masterpiece of Mary. His mother becomes our mother. My friends, if we don't have the same father and mother that Jesus has, it's a funky family up there. But it ain't. He has drawn us into this mystery. What a gift for us to want to be a part of, to share in, to be sons and daughters of God the Father and of Mary our mother. How beautiful is this? It's brilliant what he's given to us. Now, without Our Lady, we wouldn't have life. And I want to mention this because this is profound. Because a lot of people, you know, we were mentioning in our panel discussion about this. Without Our Lady, we wouldn't have life unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, which means we would not have the flesh of Jesus. It comes through Our Lady. Listen to this, okay? This is amazing. When I learned this in seminary, it blew me away. Blew me away. Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem. Do you know what Bethlehem means in Hebrew? House of bread. Do you know what it means in Aramaic, the language our Lord spoke? House of meat or house of flesh. And where was our bread, our flesh, placed? In a manger where animals eat. Remember the word manjare? Eat. See, our lady's womb was like a sacred oven. And in that sacred oven, she baked for us the bread of life. And if you eat that bread that Mama Mary made for you, you will live forever. You walk away from that bread, you're dead. That's why it ain't about going to another church that has kicking music and good cookies and fellowship. I'll be the first one to tell you that most times the music in Catholic churches sucks. I'll be the first one to tell you that. It's horrible for the most part. Not here today, it was beautiful, right? It ain't about the cake and the cookies. It ain't even about the fellowship, and I love fellowship, and we need to have more of that for sure. But ultimately, it's about going to where you're gonna get fed with the bread of everlasting life, where you're gonna get taught the teaching that Jesus wants you to know to set your soul free. That's what it's all about. That's why in these times, you gotta have staying power. You gotta stick with it. 
give you an analogy, or a true story actually, just blending the two. It's a long time ago, there was a dude named Noah. Remember that dude? And things were really bad. Things were really jacked up, man. And God said to him, build a boat. And he did. Everybody was laughing at him. You're an idiot, dude, talking about building a boat. And he did. And if you weren't in that boat, you drowned. But think about what was in that boat. A lot of animals. What do animals make? A mess. That boat stunk to high heaven. There's a lot of words I could use right now, but there was a lot of in it. And occasionally, you'd step in it, Noah and his family. But don't you dare jump out of that boat, because if you do, you're going to drown. Catholic Church today is the new boat, but it's filled deep with the same stuff. It stinks. Oh, man. There are so many jokers in it right now, it's not even funny. I mean, seriously. And it's tempting to bail. It's like, I'm out. I'm out. These people are nuts. Don't you dare jump out of that boat. Where are you going to go? You going to make your own boat? Hmm, bad idea. Bad idea. Stay with it. You will step in it. You'll be like, dang it, again? You know, it's nasty. You will reach the shore in God's time. See, that's what we're living through right now. What does, and I love that our Lord teaches us this. We just, if you don't have a prayer life, you won't see it. He talks about the God being the farmer in his field. What does a farmer put on his field to make it grow? Manure. You, it's Wichita, man. You know this. <laughs> right now, the farmer is putting on so much manure. It's like, yo, slow it down. You know, it's all over the place. It stinks, but you got to persevere. That field will be so abundantly fruitful if you trust the farmer. You've got to trust him. And the only way that you're going to do this right now is by clinging to the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you don't have a deep, pious, devotional life with her, you're going to start getting crazy ideas. You're going to start doubting. You're going to start thinking that it is okay for two dudes to marry. You're going to start thinking it is okay for somebody to, to terminate that pregnancy because of the inconvenience of it. And you're start, going to start questioning everything. Those are the people who walk away from the pattern, the blueprint, and the model of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. I guarantee you this. Okay, you know what else I would do? I'm going to go back to that uh, creating your own mother. I love my mom. Oh, my goodness. Now, I put that woman through a living nightmare when I was a teenager and a young adult, for sure. Canonize my mom, I say. She's the second Monica on this planet, you know. I love her so much. If there were a way that I could prevent my mother from dying and going into a tomb, would I do it if I were God? Oh, you betcha I would. You betcha I would. What son would want to see his mother die and go into a tomb? None that I know, and if they do, they're mental. Something ain't right. Just a few beads short of a rosary, you know what I'm saying? Jacked up in their thinking. No son would want his mother to die and go into a tomb. But I don't have the power to prevent that from happening to my mother, and neither do you. But who is Jesus again? Oh yeah, the God-man. He can do this. He can find a way to do this. And you know he did. You know he did. And the most amazing way... Oh my gracious, he's brilliant because he's God. He did something so amazing that now even the secular sciences are finding out what we have believed in doctrinal and dogmatic truths for a very long time, very long time. I've been a priest for 16 years now. 
About 18 years ago, when I was in seminary, one of my brother seminarians came up to me with a copy of the Washington Post, the Washington Compost, right? He comes up to me and he's like, did you read this? Have you seen this article? And I'm like, no. And he's like, read this thing. So I'm reading it. I didn't understand a lot of it because it was talking about some new discovery that scientists had made in laboratories around the world and these studies they were doing about the connection on a cellular level between a mother and her children. And it was called fetal microchimerism. Big word I know, fetal microchimerism. I was like, what is this? So I read it. Oh my gracious. Outside of anything doctrinal or dogma or faith or anything, science has discovered now that when a woman becomes pregnant, at the very beginning stages of the pregnancy, there is a cellular exchange that takes place between that child forming in her womb and her body. When that child is born, comes into the world through her womb, there are cells that remain in her body, living cells for the rest of her life. Many of you have had miscarriages. Tragic. Brings tears. Your children are still there on a cellular level. Really? This is so profound. This is so deep. Even women, this this is amazing. Even women who have had an abortion, and there's mercy for all of us if we acknowledge what we've done wrong, of course, who have had an abortion, the child that they terminated is still in their body on a cellular level. All of you right now have cells of your mother in your body. Did you know that? Even if she's not here anymore, living cells. This isn't the Catholic Church imposing someone. No, 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 no. This has been scientifically proven around the world. But check this out. When a mother becomes ill, they discovered in these studies that the cells of her children rush to the area of the illness to fight for her life. That is incredible, my friends. See, the world tells us today that motherhood is a burden. Don't do it. Take this little pill, get rid of your cycle, maybe have it two or three times a year. Femininity and motherhood is a burden. Get rid of it. No, it's not. Oh, no, it's not. Matter of fact, the more children you have, the more defense you're gonna have in your body because your children's cells are gonna be fighting for you when you get sick. Really, proven scientifically, fetal microchimerism, mind-blowing. What about a particular son named Jesus and his mother Mary? See, this is how much Jesus loves his mother. I would have done the same thing. See, when the angel came to her and said, hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Yep, for sure, right now, and he's going to be there for nine months. She's a walking, living tabernacle. But even after he enters into the world and is placed in that manger in Bethlehem, He implanted cells, living cells, in her body, and they remain. She remains a walking tabernacle. That's why when the devil comes on the scene, he flees at the very presence of the virgin. Why? Because she never comes alone, ever. That's why Satan is so terrified of that woman. He knows that when her foot crushes his face, it's not just her foot. Living cells inside that woman's body. God has set it up that way. And if those cells fight for the life of the mother, would Mary ever die like you and I die and be put into a tomb to rot? Oh, no. Never. 
See, this is why from the very beginning of Christianity, we've never talked about a resurrection of Mary. We've never said this language in reference to Our Lady. We've talked about a transitus, a transition. We've talked about dormition. If you know Spanish, for example, dormir, what does that mean? Sleep. Not a death like you and I will experience. Oh, no, no, no. We die because we're sinners. Our Lady experienced some kind of transition to heaven that she was taken in body and soul. Because God loves his mother so much, he put his cells in her. She would not be placed into the earth to decompose. That's how much he loves her, my friends. I would have done the same thing for my mom. See, what we believe by doctrine and dogma, the secular sciences are slowly catching up. They're racing behind us. Wait, they're trying to catch up. We already know this by faith. Every single thing that we know by faith, doctrine, dogma, they'll eventually catch up with us. We've left them in the dust. They'll figure it out. This is the woman that God loves. This is the masterpiece of the Holy Trinity. And she's your mom. She's your spiritual mother. Love her, my friends. As the saints say, St. Therese, St. Maximilian Colby, don't be afraid of loving Mary too much because you're never going to love her more than Jesus does. He is so in love with her, crown her head with roses, lay roses at her feet, sing songs to Our Lady, because she is the triumphant queen, and all will bow down and honor her, all angels and all men. And this is what we need to do today, again, in our churches, our parishes, our families across the globe. Bring back the queen. Amen. God bless you, my friends.